creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Maybe he would even put them to work. It was a big river and people were lined up all along the banks. Maybe John could position these these religious leaders with their flowing robes. It'd be easy to see them. People could queue up behind them. He could space them out along the banks of the river and they could help him baptize the masses. But John sees these important religious leaders coming and that's when he yells, you, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. John was not a suck up. years ago, uh, before I had someone on my staff team like Katie, I used to do all the children's sermons myself. Uh, and on the second Sunday of Advent, I had this, I don't know where I got it, but I had this crazy looking John the Baptist doll. It, it was kind of about this big. I, I turned over the storeroom downstairs trying to find this thing, but apparently he got left behind in Philadelphia. So uh, I have to just describe him to you. He had a big gray scraggly beard and he was wrapped in actual animal skins, which again, I have no idea where they came from. I'm not a hunter. They were, but they were real animal skins and he had a belt around the middle of him. He was a crazy looking John the Baptist. I thought he looked just right. And I would put him in a big brown paper bag every Sunday, uh, first, second Sunday of Advent. And the kids would be there, and I would begin to describe for them this one we're waiting for. Who are we waiting for? He's, he wears a kind of special suit, I would say, and he has a belt around his waist, and he eats kind of funny food. Uh, sometimes people leave him, I don't know, is it milk and cookies, or was it something else? You know, I'd lead them on with these leading questions, and, and then I would ask them, I have him here in the bag, who is it? And of course, they'd start yelling, Santa, it's Santa. Uh, and then I'd pull out this crazy looking freaky John the Baptist and do my John the Baptist sermon. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I would do it every year and the same kids would be there just a year older and they'd fall for it every time. Uh, well, John the Baptist always disappoints our expectations, uh, shows up in the wrong place at the wrong time, yelling the wrong stuff and making us feel the wrong emotions. He's just out of sync with the rest of the world and always has been. Uh, but John refused to set up shop in the holy city of Jerusalem uh, where one would go if you wanted to build some kind of religious street cred. You, you had to do it there in the shadow of the temple. Instead, John head out in the wilderness, the desert, a place where nobody lived unless they were forced to, some camel herders and some shepherds. What could John possibly hope to accomplish out there in the dangerous wilderness? So John must have needed a hook, right? To get people to show up and hear him. John must have had one of those pleasing messages about how God wants you to have your best life now. You know that sort of thing. 
or how you're about to break through to the next level of blessing? Not so much. John the Baptist shows up out in the wilderness, and among other things, when he sees people coming, he yells stuff like, You bunch of snakes, (laughs) you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. John did not have the winning formula for church growth. At least not one that I've read. But people showed up anyway. The word got around that there was a prophet out there in the wilderness, in the parched but holy land that had given birth to their nation. It had been a long time since they had heard from a prophet, several hundred years. And the people were hungry for some truth, for an authentic word from God. So they went into the wilderness. They went by the thousands. They came from Jerusalem. Imagine not making a pilgrimage to the holy city, but away from it. And they came from the surrounding towns and villages and from the region across the river. They seemed to come from everywhere. And John called all of them to repentance. And they just lined up for as far as the eye could see. John called them to confess their sins. And they confessed. He called them to be baptized. And they they stood in line to get dunked into the muddy waters of the Jordan River. How could a preacher be more successful than that? When John told the people that they needed to repent, they sensed that he was somehow telling them the truth. That they really did need to repent. That something was broken in their society, in their religion, in in themselves. They sensed that John told the truth. That they did need to reorient their lives. They, They needed to move in a new direction. That they needed to turn back toward God. And John not only called the people to repent, but he, but he gave them a reason. He said, repent because the kingdom of God has come near. He said, get ready because a new day is upon us. Prepare yourself because something incredible, something wonderful is about to happen. So some Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders from the temple precincts came Presumably to be baptized. These were holy men, men of the cloth, uh, worthy of respect. These guys did not suffer from low self-esteem. All right, They came with more answers than questions. So what are they doing out there? Maybe they came because whenever anything religious was happening, they thought that they wanted to be involved if a religious Ceremony was taking place, whether or not it was in the holy city, they wanted some oversight. You might think that John would have welcomed such people. Uh, They would definitely give his whole wilderness mission some, some religious credibility. Maybe he would even put them to work. It was a big river and people were lined up all along the banks. Maybe John could position these These religious leaders with their flowing robes, it'd be easy to see them. People could queue up behind them. He could space them out along the banks of the river and they could help him baptize the masses. But John sees these important 
religious leaders coming, and that's when he yells, you, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. John was not a suck-up. John knew that they were not out there to hear the truth. He knew that they were as sinful as anybody else in line that day. And the only difference was their degrees and their nice robes and their leather-bound Bibles, their rules. John prophesied into a world that was defined by sharply drawn lines between the clean and the unclean, the religiously authorized and the wannabes, the people of God, and everybody else. If anybody was on the right side of all of those lines, it were it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the temple priests. So John told them the truth that they must repent. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. So here we are, you and I, on this second Sunday of Advent. And the malls are playing lovely Christmas music, except for the occasional assault by Mariah Carey. But for the most part, lovely Lovely music, and the lines, you know, are forming behind Santa. Forgot to do it. I was going to put a sister, a picture of my sister, my youngest sister, Janae's family. They go to the same Santa every year for the past 20 years. So imagine the the 20 year olds now how much they love doing this. But she gets it done every year. They go to this. He's at the mall. Uh, people, this is what people are doing. But here in the church, we're driven out into the, into the wilderness because we are always tempted, as were the scribes, as were the Pharisees, we are always tempted to believe that while we may not be perfect, we're better than most, better than the rest of the rabble out there who need to change their ways. Don't kid yourself by saying you're a child of Abraham, John yells. I don't even claim to be an ancestor of Abraham, I say. I'm a Norwegian for goodness sake. And I attend church. And I pay my taxes and I give to charity. And I don't rob banks or try to illegally cross international borders. I play by the rules. And I watch the news. Now don't say to yourselves that you were born into the right family or the right country or that you were brought up in the Lutheran church or the Catholic church or any other church for that matter. God is able from these stones to rise up a bunch of Lutherans if God needs them. When John sees us coming, and this is the point, we all look alike. This is how the wilderness prophet will forever introduce Jesus to the world. Not by telling everyone how much you stand to gain or how much better your lot in life will be, but by declaring a new vision of the world where being generous will be a higher virtue 
than holding important titles or status or citizenship. John the Baptist declares, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. He's come to interrupt our decorating and tree trimming, our shopping and letter writing, our pictures with Santa, and even our nativity scenes. John comes to interrupt our waiting and preparing to remind us of something. To remind us of this most unchristmassy thing. To remind us of our own sin. Our own brokenness. His message is urgent and it doesn't blend in well with tinsel and blinking lights. The Baptist comes to call us back to our knees before our God. And back to the font. Many of us busy ourselves with work or school or homework or housework or caring for children or aging parents or shopping. All the stuff that speeds us through our days. Important, much of it necessary, but none of it can save us. Others less visible among us are mostly concerned with staying warm or staying fed. Or fleeing violence. Or finding home. The world has a way of demanding more and more of us until we can begin to lose sight of the gift of life itself. The Baptist reminds us that the high ones will be coming down. The low ones will be lifted up. The crooked ones will be straightened out. These are not threats. They are promises. These promises made to each one of us in our baptisms. This very promise about to be celebrated not once but three times throughout this morning. In holy baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us, by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are promises that John the Baptist, that wild wilderness prophet, could never make, and he knew it. There is one who comes after me, and I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And while John was still preaching, while he was still talking, there was one at the outer edges of the crowd who was beginning to push his way through past the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and temple priests past the sheep herders and the ostracized and the outcast and the condemned. And he went down into the waters of that river and he stood there in front of John. The time had come. I am the way and the truth and the life, he will say. He will enter the baptismal waters with us to make this very promise possible. Child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. This is enough good news for the day. This interruption by John the Baptist out in the wilderness, continues to echo across the generations. And because 
John was getting ready for what was to come next. Because the one John came to herald made his way through that crowd and down into the river. Only because that one would begin his trek toward the holy city of Jerusalem. We are here this morning. Gathered together as chosen children of God. Forgiven baptized, washed clean, and sent back out into the world with good news and with the truth. Amen. So come, oh Jesus.